Welcome to today's episode. I am your host, Michael Asetta, owner of Matador Canine Brilliance and the host of Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Today, we are going to be talking about how to teach your dog to stay. Now, there is some controversy on whether you should say stay or not, and we're going to dive into that right now. So the stay command is typically used when we want our dog to stay in a particular position for an extended period of time, despite what is going on in the environment. Classically, this was known for obedience type work where you would tell your dog down, stay, sit, stay, place, stay. And it's been added on to all of these other commands to make sure that our dog understood this was different than if I were to just ask you to sit. Now, As you know, I usually have problems with certain things, and stay is kind of a weird one for me. When I was in college, learning from many different professors who had been doing this for 40 plus years, some believed in stay, and some didn't. So let's break it down and why one might believe in the other and one might believe in the first. Let's talk about why people use stay to begin with. Most of the time when we're teaching a behavior, we kind of forget that there really should be a release word at the end of a behavior. Now, some people don't really think about it like that, so I'm going to break it down for you. If I were going to tell my dog place, and place is just go to a specific location that is designated by a bed or a platform or some kind of finite location, and wait there until I release you, that's part of the definition of place. Okay, go there and stay on place until I release you from place, which would mean my sequence would have to go place, they then go, they lay down, and then off or free or, you know, okay, whatever release word I have indicates for them to get off of place, or at least they're allowed to get off place if they want to. That doesn't necessarily translate when we're talking about down or sit. I tell my dog to sit, they do so, I give them a treat, and now what? They typically get up and then I can tell them to sit again. But that's not necessarily good. We want our dogs to be able to do the behavior until we tell them to do something else, because at some point, somewhere in the training or in an environment, our dog is going to get distracted and they're going to get up, which means we have to repeat the command and we have to tell them to sit again. And then we run into problems when we're talking about duration. Oh, well, I want my dog to sit for 30 minutes or down for 30 minutes. Okay, well, how do we get our dog up afterwards? Yes, we could just mark and that will end the behavior and then they can get the reward. But sometimes it helps to give them a release word. This is particularly useful if you tell your dog to go into the crate and you don't want to close the door. You say crate, they go in, you don't close the door. Now they're waiting for their cue to come out. I have used this several times when my hands are full and I need my dog out of my way. I'll say, go lay down. That's my term instead of place. I'll say, go lay down. They go, they lay down in a corner. I can do what I need to without worrying about stepping on my dog. And then I can tell them, okay. And then they'll get up and they can walk around and and find a more comfortable spot if they want. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. So 
First, we have to understand the release word in order to understand why we would say stay in the first place. So when you say stay, you're adding a new condition to the behavior, which means you didn't set up the condition in the first place. The condition being, when I tell you to do something, when I tell you to sit, when I tell you to down, you should do that for as long as I deem necessary and until I tell you to do something else. Right? You should sit indefinitely. You should down indefinitely and wait for either a reward or a release word. If I haven't set that up, whenever I say sit, there's opportunity to just get up randomly. Whether it's because I moved, because something interesting came along, because I, it sounded like I said the release word, whatever it may be. If I say sit, my dog is subject to do the behavior and then change whatever he wants to do afterwards. So if that's the case, which oftentimes it is, we throw in the word stay. You say sit. Now there's a casual form of sit where I don't say stay and my dog just has to sit for that moment and then they can do what they want. So if I say sit and now stay, there's a condition on top. Stay means continue to do what you're doing until I release you from doing it. That means I always have to say stay. What happens if I forget to say stay? Well, my dog thinks it's the casual version of that behavior. Well, now what happens? If I don't say stay, my dog gets up and does what they want. What if it's an important situation? My dog runs out of the house by accident. I tell him to sit. Thank God they, they do it. Right? Awesome. I'm so proud I did all this training. They sat as they ran out of the house. They sat. Great. Now I can go grab the leash. But I didn't tell them to stay. So right after I said sit, they popped back up and ran away. I don't like that very much. That's not a preferred behavior that I would like. When I say sit, I want my dog to sit until I release them or tell them to do something else. Because if I say sit, I might then recall him. I might tell him to sit and then down so he's more stable so I can go get the leash and come back. But if I have to say stay, they get used to stay. And that's not great. There's other problems with stay, like many people will say it's an inaction and dogs do better with actions. We know that dogs can understand concepts and they can understand those types of conditions, so that's not really a valid argument. But let's say you don't want to say the word stay. You don't want to say the word stay. How do you go about teaching your dog to stay? How do we get them to actually stay in one spot and not move around? There's two ways to do it. Number one is rewarding more frequently for staying in that position. And number two is rewarding after duration. They kind of have their time and place. Rewarding your dog more consistently does not teach them to stay in the position longer. It just slows them down and creates uh, basically a calming type effect. So if I were to put my dog on place, right? I send them to place, they lay down, good. I can reward them every five seconds. And all that is going to do is teach them that every five seconds, they're going to get a reward. It also teaches them that me standing there is good because I'm going to give them treats. And them staying on the place is going to get treats for them. Vice versa, option two would be to send them to place, have them lay down, count in your head, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000, five, 1,000. Give them a treat, tell them off, give them a treat for off, tell them place again. We do five seconds again. Treat, off, treat, place. Then we do 10 seconds. Now that's quite a jump, but understandably, would you just build up the time until we know they can do 10 seconds, then we give them a treat. Then we work up to 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, and that would build a lot more duration. I use those in two different situations. The first one I will use for a dog that is very fast. Very, very fast, very, very jumpy, very, very all over the place and anticipating everything. 
and I just need to slow the dog down. Once I can get five seconds, I give up on doing that. I no longer give a treat every five seconds without releasing them from the position and bringing them back. So I'll say place, they're on there. One, two, three, four, five. Mark treat, either off the place so I can reset them, or if they know the release word, I'll mark and reward on the place and then I'll release them and mark and reward for responding to the release cue. Now, important note, I don't wanna release them from place and then give them a treat without rewarding them for being on place because that will teach them to just jump off of place in order to get the reward. This is of course not talking about intermittent and variable schedules and how we can do chaining behaviors and that kind of thing. So I want to preface that for those of you who have watched the other podcast and know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second, why would I do that? So just so you know, intermittent variable schedule, yes, you might do that kind of routine. But in the beginning stages of teaching, I don't want my dog to go on to place, jump off, and then get rewarded for responding to the release cue. That's just going to become a behavioral chain, and you're just going to do that over and over and over again. They're going to jump onto place. They're going to jump off, get the treat, jump off. There, Boom, 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 boom. That's too much. We need to build stability. We need to get calm, calm behaviors. Once you've worked on the duration, now you can start to build in some distance. You can actually work further away from your dog. Here's the important part. You can't do both at the same time. And this is why I start with duration. You can't work on duration and distance at the same time. Until your dog is good at both, then you can combine them together. So what does that mean? If it takes you 30 seconds to walk 10 feet away from your dog and come back, your dog's durational skills have to be up to 30 seconds, if not further, because your dog's going to get confused when you start adding distance, which means the duration is going to go down. So let's say you need twice as much duration as it will take you to do the distance. You need a minute if it takes you 30 seconds to do distance. You need two minutes if it takes you a minute. Get my point? Now, both of those things also relate to distractions. Once you start adding in distractions, once you start adding in people, dogs, toys, food, leave it, uh, motion, if you're going to have your dogs you know, staying on something that's moving, whether it's in a car, a skateboard, a roller coaster, whatever it is, okay? I'm not recommending taking your dog on a roller coaster, but my point is those kind of variables are going to influence how well your dog does for the distance and the duration. So your distance and duration is going to go down as well. You want to lessen those criteria when you start to work on distractions. So let's say you put your, let's say you're just practicing place. I know we're talking about place a lot today, but that's the easiest way for us to think about stay. They're on a finite location and they're just staying there. So you send them to place, and let's say you're going to use a tennis ball to, to create some excitement and some distraction. If your dog can do three minutes of a downstay with no distractions, great. I want you to work on 10 seconds. So you're going to bounce the ball twice. You're going to count in your head for the entire time. So it takes you 10 seconds to bounce the ball twice. Now you're going to walk up to your dog, reward, release, reward, reset them. So every time you do this repetition, they're getting one reward. If your dog is absolutely bonkers about the tennis ball, the tennis ball should be 100 feet away and then you slowly bring it closer. If you cannot physically control the distance, and the distance is huge here, the closer your dog is to the thing, the more stimulating and exciting it is. If your dog physically cannot be further away from the item, whatever it may be, and you cannot control the distance, you can control how fast your dog gets rewarded. 
So this is where we go back to option one, where we're constantly rewarding every second, every five seconds, whatever it is, without releasing our dog. We need to build some stability. So you have somebody else control the distraction, tennis ball, skateboard, wherever it is, at the distance that it is, and you just, your focus is rewarding your dog like a Pez dispenser over and over and over and over and over again. Is this perfect? No. Is this what I want to do every day? No. I would much rather have my dog go on, do the behavior fully, reward at the end, take them off, reward, and reset. Because that follows the ABC triangle. If you've listened to the other podcasts, I talk about the ABC triangle all the time. That follows the ABC triangle. The other way does not follow the ABC triangle. It just it becomes muddled and confusing, and it, it's more confusing to the dog than to us, and so we don't need to focus too much on it. Just understand it's more confusing to your dog if they're getting rewarded for staying there and not the whole behavior itself. They just start to understand, okay, well, five seconds is up. I should get my treat, and I'm going to get up if I don't. Instead of, I go down, I stay here, five seconds, treat, good, now I get off. Super, super clear. Now, there's one more thing I want to talk about when it comes to stay. And that is all of the subtle things that we do to get our dog to stay put. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why we all do it. Literally everybody does it, whether they want to admit it or not. Everybody does it. The hand, the uh uh-uh, the wait, stay, hold on. I'll be right with you. Any, like anything that you could say, your dog picks up on. And more often than not, we think that it's an, you know, a natural occurrence. We just say it and we're not really thinking about it. Most people don't think about it and they don't realize it until someone points it out. But you probably say the same thing every single time. If not the same thing, you definitely say a very, very similar version. Maybe the inflection is different, but you're saying the same thing every time. And if you're saying the same thing every time, your dog starts to understand that is actually the cue to tell me to sit. And when you don't say that, it is a relaxed version, which we talked about earlier, right? So we have sit and then we have sit stay. If we teach our dog the condition of stay, but not the behavior of stay built into sit, right? We taught the condition on top of it. Our dog will only do that version when we say stay. So you tell your dog sit and you go stay, stay, wait, wait, stay, wait, 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 stay. All of that is conditional. If you don't say that, your dog's not staying. That is not what you want, if I didn't make that clear. (laughs) That's not what you want, okay? You should be able to say sit one time and your dog should do nothing other than the sit. Shouldn't move, shouldn't turn, shouldn't, you know, they can clearly breathe and sniff, but they shouldn't be doing much other than sit, boom, that's it. Why is that important? Why is it critical that you should be doing that? It's simply because of the condition that would be created if you didn't do it like that. I say sit, stay, and I say sit mean two different things. One means, okay, you're going to sit there and stay until I release you. And the other one means sit there until you feel like getting up and doing what you want. Only if you train it that way. You can train the inverse. I say sit and you sit and you wait until I tell you to get up. I didn't have to say stay. Will it help some dogs? Maybe. Depending on how you treat the rest of your life when you say the word sit. Right? If I say sit and I never release my dog, at some point they're going to get up and do their own thing. 
So it's really a question of whether you want to tell your dog to sit or you want to tell your dog, I'm sorry, it's a question of whether you want to tell your dog to stay or you want to give your dog a release word. If you are never going to give your dog a release word, and some people that's just how they are, they just can't, they never think about it, they never give their dog a release word, and that's fine. If you're never going to do that, then by all means, fine. Stay, say. Say, stay. Because your dog's going to do it either way. Your dog's going to figure something out either way. If I say sit, and they stay there, and they do a great job for 10 seconds, and I don't give them a release word, at some point they're going to get up and, and do something else. And sure, I could correct them, but I wasn't clear in my communication or in my training. If I say sit, and I reward them at 9 seconds when they're about to give up at 10 seconds, great. Now they understand, okay, i got to stay there for 9 seconds. And then I can release them with the treat or release word. But if I say sit and sit stay, there's a difference. I hope you're understanding that there is a difference there. Now, stay and wait are the exact same thing, but for some reason, individuals use them in different contexts. Stay means I said sit and stay, and wait means wait for the food or wait for the door or wait for me. The dogs don't understand definitions of words. They hear the sounds. So you could say the word stay and mean both. You could say the word wait and mean both. Or you can say nothing and just teach your dog to be patient which is my preferred method. I love teaching dogs to be patient and waiting things out. And this is often what I see in working line dogs, Belgian Malinois, German Shepherds. They get kind of classified as pushy dogs or uh, pit bulls, Dobermans, Rottweilers, you know, those, those working line dogs, even some retrievers. They're pushy dogs. They're very, very pushy. They're rude. They have high drive. Oh, you just haven't taught your dog patience. And I know this because there are hundreds of people, thousands of people who have trained those breeds to be patient. And I always think about competitions. Well, how is your dog during a competition? I love watching the fly ball competitions where the dogs have to go over the hurdles. They hit a pad, they grab a ball, and they have to run back over the hurdles. I love watching those. But more so than I love watching those are the dogs on the stands right outside the racetrack. They're there sitting patiently, just watching, intently watching, excitedly watching, and whining maybe a little, but they're sitting or they're in a down. They're patient. They're, they're on the edge of not being patient, but they're patient. What does that tell me? It tells me they have self-control. And that is the behavior that got reinforced over and over and over again. Sitting and being patient got reinforced because eventually they got to go and they got to have their turn. So what does that tell me about Belgian Malinois and German Shepherds that don't have that patience? Does that tell me that those dogs can't have patience? No. That tells me that because they are working line dogs, oh, well, it's a German Shepherd. Oh, well, it's a Belgian Malinois. That tells me that they have an excuse. They have an excuse for not calming that dog down and teaching that dog the appropriate skills for a long enough period of time that they can actually show some kind of patience and some kind of self-control. Oh, well, it's a high-drive dog. So is a Border Collie. Border Collies are beautiful. Oh, well, that's part of a Border Collie's breed. Okay, well, let's look at any other high-energy dog that learned patience built into the behavior itself built into the behavior itself, right? That the 
Flyball was a self-reinforcing behavior. If I wait patiently long enough, I get to play this fun game. The owner doesn't have to say anything. The owner doesn't have to tell him to sit and wait and patiently. The dog just figured it out. So whether you say stay or you don't say stay is completely up to you. It really is. You just have to think about the repercussions of doing either or. If you say sit and don't say stay, you're going to have to give some kind of release word, tell your dog it's okay to get out of the position they were previously put in. This could be as simple as a recall or putting them in another behavior or telling them okay, free, do whatever, any word that you want to add. You just have to then teach them what the release word is. Or you add the word stay in. And when you don't say stay, don't be surprised if they get up. But in an emergency situation, you have to say stay when you want them to stay still. You still have to teach a release word at the end of the stay. But it's whether you're going to say stay conditionally and be okay with your dog not staying when you don't say stay. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. It has been a pleasure talking with you today. As always, I appreciate everything you guys have done. Please check us out on social media as well as go to matadorcanine.com. We have a new book coming out on February 5th. It's called The Dog Training Cheat Codes Book. I wrote it, so I'm a little biased, but it is a fantastic book. It's coming out on February 5th, The Dog Training Cheat Codes Book. If you want to be on the wait list for that, head over to matadorcanine.com. Thank you very much, and I'll see you guys next episode.